Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville Baptist Church with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome in episode 136 of the 1717 Podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen and joined by Pastor Jackie Hill. Jackie, how you doing today, man? Doing really good. Yeah, you know, the, the wives are going up to the women's retreat this weekend. So they yeah, I got the got the tire fixed on the van, so they don't have to worry about that. So I feel I feel good about that. We got to figure out if we can survive on our own or not. Yeah, yeah, we got to see if we're gonna die or not. But yeah. the wives gone. How are we gonna eat? And yeah, but uh, you know, and, and then and then yesterday I, I got a text message from Nikita Koloff. He's coming to preach our church October first. And mm. uh, for those of you that are listening out there, maybe professional wrestling fans, he was known as the Russian Nightmare, professional wrestler, NWA champion, uh, part of uh, just the wrestling world out there and got saved in 1993 and now he's a world-renowned evangelist he's he's coming to preach at our church october 1st and so he was just touching base with me getting getting things squared mm, away so i'm yeah, excited to have stuff. him you know i, I i've always wondered too I, i'm gonna ask him it, does he has he ever body slapped someone when he baptized him that would be mm. that'd be kind of right you know and then the name of the father son and the holy spirit kapusha you know but uh anyway how you, how you doing brother that would that would be pretty you, you should definitely ask him that I actually definitely ask you, that. you know if if i were to be baptized by him i'd probably ask for it yeah um, like just, i got i got body slammed at our last baptism by one of the youth you did, kids afterwards you did. exactly uh, caught me a little so, off guard can you Never imagine let that a, happen again yeah if there's a professional wrestler did it maybe yeah you know. No, uh, no, I'm I'm good, man. Uh, yeah, looking forward to this weekend. My my dad is coming up into town as my mom's going to be out of the country, and so he's got nothing to do. Whoa. So he's gonna he's gonna help out with the kids, and it'll be a good time just me and him and and my little girls and watching some football and stuff. So looking forward to that. Not a lot of time I get with like just my dad because yeah, you know yeah. obviously I love my mom too and want her to be part of things. But it's it's a cool thing when uh, the ladies are out and, and the guys got to figure out how so- to parent together. Is he staying with you or is he? Yeah. Yeah. He'll okay. stay. We, you know, I haven't talked about whether he's getting the couch or I'm getting the couch yet, but uh, we'll figure that out later today. And I'll yeah. of course offer it up, but he'll do the nice dad thing and sleep on the couch then complain about it to my mom later. I'm sure. So Larry's taking a gamble on whether or not you can cook. right? <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Yeah. He okay. is, he is taking that. And, and I think, you know, that's, as we get into the episode today, uh, gambling is, is the topic of conversation here. And, we're really asking the question, is gambling a sin? And yeah, I think, yeah. you know, the initial thought for most people is, well, of course it is, because that's what I've been told growing up. But now I, I think as we look through these, we're going to look at these definitions of gambling, go back some older ones, of course, Noah Webster's, and then some of the more uh, more recent definitions. And I think it's it's kind of a hard thing to understand for some people, right? Because some people think of gambling as just the, you know, going to a casino and that's it or playing the slots. But then there's, you know, we have the big introduction of more sports betting stuff that's that's widespread. It's kind of almost Super everywhere accepted. now. And and you, you see that in other areas too. There are betting lines on basically everything. I remember yeah. the Super Bowl last year and there's <laughs> there's betting lines on how long the the national anthem will be, yeah, what yeah. first commercial comes out. So people want to bet on everything. And so we see this this kind of uh, gambling spreading more and more. And so I think our goal is to define, okay, are is all of that gambling? What exactly is gambling? And is it okay in any of those cases or not? 
Yeah, and people are all over the place. You know, you said some people think it's a game. I grew up uh, gambling is a sin. I grew up being taught that, um, and it was looked at. You know, just even going to a casino. It's like if you're going to go to a casino and eat at a buffet, well, now you're sinning because you're going to a casino. I remember you and I went to. We a, did, there we, was one that that had like a seafood buffet, and it's eat. like, yeah, the Jack, the pastor and his intern are going to a casino for the day, and <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, it we, was it was worth it, and smelling like cigarette smoke. But we 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 ate uh, probably. 20 pounds at least of crab. Yeah, legs. It, was, it, it was a lot. It, yeah. They took a gamble on us and lost. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but so, so there's that. And then there's other people who say, well, no, it's not a sin. It's just a form of entertainment. So, so Christians really fall all over the place with this. Uh, and so I think it's a good question for us to be asking on, on the show today. Yeah. So to start the definition, as I, as I mentioned, Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, he defined gambling or gaming. And this is the only one definition in there. And it, it goes this way. Uh, gambling definition is the practice of using cards, dice, billiards, and the like, according to certain rules for winning money, et cetera. Right. So it's like games of chance at the time. I mean, this was early 1800s in the U.S. These are the most common forms of gambling uh, that people practiced in. Yep. And now that the current Merriam-Webster dictionary has a couple definitions, one of gambling, that is the activity or practice of playing a game of chance for money or other stakes. Mm-hmm. So fairly similar. Uh, and also the second one is the act or practice of risking the loss of something important by acting recklessly. Yeah, that's a big one. And just want to address it real quick because that's not really what we're going to be talking about today. But reckless is only used four times in the Bible. Depends on the translation. But so like the New American Standard and the ESV uh, use mm-hmm. the word four times. And it's found in Judges 9, Jeremiah 23, Zephaniah 3, and then 2 Timothy 3. And every time is connected to sinful, evil practices of men. In fact, like in 2 Timothy 3, it is in a long list of sinful characteristics of people that Paul warned Timothy to be on guard against. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's looked at definitely recklessness, like that part of gambling is is wrong. It's, it's sinful. That's why we don't sing the song Reckless Love, mm-hmm. um, because God isn't reckless. Yep. Yep. You know, when you're reckless, you don't give thought to anything. As Christians, we should never not give thought to something. We mm-hmm. always need to think about the implications. Praise is something God would want me to do or not. Um, and so we, we don't want to be reckless. So for sure, we, we think that we need to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. So pretty clear, as you just said, it's sinful. We're not going to address it really any more than what we already have here. So from here on, when we're talking about gambling, we're, we are referring to both the oldest definition from that 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary and the first definition in our current dictionaries, and that is the act or practice of playing games of chance for money. Right. So as we often do, uh, we're going to look at a history of gambling in the United States, which uh, I find pretty fascinating on, on a number of levels, and then look at some statistics that are tied to gambling today, just to show, I think, I think most average people think gambling's a, a kind of a big deal, whether they're, it's positive mm-hmm. or negative, uh, but we're going to put some numbers out there that are going to show just how big of a deal it is when, when you start thinking about yeah. the, the money that goes in and out of it. And so Quite shocking, actually. I mean, shocking. Yeah, me it is. It is. Me, me too, as we're even prepping for this. <laughs> so gambling has been around for quite a while, since the colonial days, actually. Now, it, it looked a lot different then, and it was far less of an accepted or common practice, uh, but it was present. You, you right. think kind of the, you know, underground, you know, backdoor kind of stuff that you yep. don't want to be associated with. That, that was what it is more than, you know, today where people you know, openly talk about it, even right. talk about it, right. and sometimes right. even as investments, right, mm-hmm. in, in this kind of uh, gambling practice. Yeah, and, and gambling really took off as a popular form of entertainment in the U.S. in the mid-1800s. Uh, it was the number one form of entertainment in the Old West, you know, like from the 1850s to the early 1900s. And, and we see that in entertainment, right? Something entertainment actually, entertainment industry gets right 
in, in movies and stuff, you see that any Western, right? So yep. there's always gambling, right? They're going to go to the saloon or the casino, or whatever. There's always gambling there. Uh, I think if, you know, uh, even the song, uh, the gambler by Kenny Rogers, um, or, you know, one of my favorite movies, Maverick with Mel Gibson. Uh, he was a, he was a gambler, a poker player. Uh, there's rounders, uh, 21 is a newer mm-hmm. one, even like casino Royale, the, uh, James Bond movie is all uh, centered around a casino. And, and so it's a big part of things in, in entertainment and it's really popularized it a lot. Um, so a lot of, a lot of movies do, do have that. And, and so from there, you know, I think one of the interesting parts in that though, is in those movies, right. It's generally glorified it is, more and you exactly. see this, this cool guy do this thing and win a lot of money and you know, he's all cool and ladies around him, mm-hmm. but they, they leave out the problems that go with right, it. Right. Right. And, and, or it's just the bad guy losing and you're like, yeah, yeah. stick it to him. You know, you, yeah. you lost. And, and, that, and then things did start to become a problem, right? Cause yep. I mean, like I said, it was, it was the number one form of entertainment in the West for those 50 years or so, 60 years or so. And it did start becoming a problem in the U.S. and people noticed. Yeah, so you jumped to 1910 and gambling was actually outlawed in the United States. Uh, it didn't stop, of course, um, but it went underground. Right. So it, it was at least outlawed. Now, it was, it was legalized again in Nevada in 1931, so 21 years later. And for the next few decades, Las Vegas was pretty much the only place you'd find legalized gambling. And you know, for that reason, Las Vegas, commonly known as Sin City. So that comes back from there. You throw in the legalized yeah, prostitution yeah, yeah. there, and you kind of got a couple yeah, of the big yeah. things that, that go together for those that are in Sin City. Right, yeah. So, so gambling was illegal in much of the U.S., even all up to the 1960s. Uh, and that's when lotteries started popping up on a state-by-state basis. You know, The first state to institute a lottery was New Hampshire in 1964. Today, there are only five states in the U.S. that do not have lotteries. And those are Alabama, Alaska, Hawaii, Utah, and ironically, Nevada, mm-hmm. <laughs> the one that was the first to legalize gambling. Uh, and so you know, we were talking about this earlier, like, I wonder why that is. And, and I think we hit the nail on the head when we're like, well, they probably don't want anything competing with their casinos yep. uh, for, for people's money because they're all about money. They don't want to gamble on their gambling. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, they're at least <laughs> smart and they know, they know that uh, it's all about the money there. Yeah. yeah. So here, here's some interesting statistics now as we, we got through the history a little bit, but according to the American Gaming Association, these next few stats will be straight from there. In 2022, Americans spent a total of $250 billion on legalized gambling at casinos, online, in gambling apps, and in the lottery. Uh, an interesting fact with that is that in 2022, Americans also lost $250 <laughs> billion. Yeah. And, and so I think, one, that tells yeah. us that for anybody that wins... Right. They also are going to lose plenty. But also, even if you just win and you're one of those people that you got in, you you did that and then you got out on time before you lost. Generally in gambling, your winning is at the expense of other people losing because they're gambling money. Right. Right. So anything's going to really even out except for the house that makes a percentage or the app that makes a percentage on it. And they're the only ones really winning. Right. And on top of that, though, the American Gaming Association also estimates that more than five hundred billion dollars is spent annually on illegal and unregulated gambling operations in the U.S. So you have double the money they estimate being spent on illegal gambling operations, which, I mean, makes sense. Nobody's doing illegal $10 bets, right? If you're doing something <laughs> illegal and underground, it's, it's probably yeah. big-time bets. Yeah. And so, you know, it, just with that estimation, you're talking $750 billion spent last year on gambling as a whole, just as an estimate. That's that is nuts. a lot of money yeah. <laughs> on gambling. Yeah, it's nuts. Um 
I went to the American Gaming Association's website to pull those stats off, and I noticed a link to the National Council of Problem Gambling on there, which makes sense because if you ever heard any of the advertisements or see them on TV or whatever, they always let you know, like, if you have a problem with gaming, call this number or whatever. Because just for lawsuits and stuff, um, they, they have to do that. It makes that. the longest ads. So they it have to do. do 30 seconds of runoff for it, every state you live in. Here's what to call. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, – uh, prescriptions that come out new prescriptions like oh if you have any of these side effects you know including death call us yeah, like, well, like, if, you died, <laughs> if you die how are you going to call them but um okay they 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 put a link there i think so that people can know there's some warnings that come with it and so here here are the warnings so again according to the national council of problem gambling over 10 million americans struggle with gambling addictions two million of those so uh, about 20 percent of people who struggle with gambling addiction have what is called a severe gambling addiction, meaning that they will continue to gamble money even if they can't afford it when the consequences are severe, like uh, they don't pay their car note and so they get their car repoed, or they can't pay their mortgage and they lose their house or their job or even their marriage due to their gambling addiction. So that's the severe nature. Estimate 2 million Americans that have that. Now, there are about half a million teenagers, that 10 million that are addicted in some way, uh, about half a million of those are teenagers. Mm. The average addicted gambler, and this is, I think, just staggering. So the average addicted gambler, that's 10 million people, $65,000 in gaming debt. So the average person has $65,000 in gambling to the average addicted gambler. And that's just from gambling. Just not, from gambling. Not car, not other, mortgage, yes. credit card, just in gambling. That's just gambling debt. And that is the legal kind, Right. So that means that there is at least $650 billion in gambling debt in the U.S. Mm -hmm. just from the addicted gamblers. Yep. And legally. And legally, right? Another thing I thought was extremely shocking is is that out of all the addictions in the U.S., so whether it's alcohol, drugs, whatever it is, um, gambling addiction has the highest suicide rate of Mm -hmm. 20%. So the severe gamblers... Have a suicide rate of twenty percent. That's that's insane. Um, people with a gambling addiction also have a suicide rate twenty times higher than the general U.S. population. Yeah. Wow. Which is, you know, sad. It's yeah, really sad. It's it, it makes sense, right? If, if yeah. you have just that average kind of just gambling debt, and you know it's probably a debt that. Um, you know, you, you are the only one that got yourself into this problem. You know, maybe your spouse doesn't know about it, your family doesn't, your, your family's struggling for, for many people. I'm sure they feel like that's the only way out of the debt. Of course, then they leave that debt with their family um, after the fact, but it, it, it totally makes sense. But that's terrifying. 20%. Yeah. Um, that, that is a very, very high suicide rate. And so, you know, I think <clears throat> those statistics show that it is a very big deal, yeah. regardless of where you land on this I don't think anybody can look at those numbers and say, oh, that's not that big of a deal or that's not too bad. Yeah. I think anyone will look at that and say, okay, that, that's a big time problem um, in, in our country, m- money-wise and the the health effects or yeah. all the way to suicide. And so- yeah. To be clear, what that's saying is like, I think 20% of suicides are connected to gambling debt. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And so, you know, now on the flip side, just to bring it back a little bit, many people also see it uh, see gambling just as a form of entertainment and they'll budget for it. You know, they'll view it. Yep. I, I've heard this two people equate it to like going to the movies where they're like, okay, you know, I would, I, I spend 20 bucks or 30 bucks to go to the movies and have popcorn. Well, I enjoy gambling. And so, so I just bring, yep. you know, I, I, I hear just people do this. Bucks, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm only bringing cash. I don't do anything else. I bring that once I spend it, I go. Yep. Um, 
And so it's a budget thing for them that they just enjoy, mm-hmm. but they never put big money on it. Um, some other people see it as really no different than like playing a game of chance, right? So with, just like playing no cards, yeah, right? Or um, And others then from there even believe it's a sin and anything connected to it is a sin. Things like, you know, just playing cards in general is or sinful, regardless of whether dice. there's money on it. Yeah, yeah, rolling dice is sinful, regardless of whether you put any money on it. So I think what we, we see is there's the, the severe addicted that you can get to. You got the people that are like, hey, this is fun, um, as long as I'm wise with it and I don't blow too much money. And then others that are like, man, you can't even speak the word without sinning almost. <laughs> right, right, right. So that people fall all over the place, I think, within Christianity and outside of it. And so now with with that foundation laid, we want to look at what the Bible has to say about this and uh, then some principles to go from there. And so first and foremost, I think Proverbs 13.11 speaks to it well when it says wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase. I think this is just like investing 101 advice from scripture to say, you know, if you're trying to do these get rich quick schemes, if you're trying to invest, you know, people do things like day trading, even where you're trying to always beat the market. Or And, and that's the point with gambling, right, is you are trying to make big money on something little. But scripture is pretty clear that the way to build wealth the right way is gathering little by little. That means working hard. That means, you know, if you're going to invest for retirement, Jordan and I did a podcast on this. It's um, being wise and doing that little by little and things that have proven returns, not these, I'm trying to win it big um, kind of deals. And so I think that speaks to it uh, really well. Yeah. Plus it's weird too. Like you'd be shocked at the statistics of lottery winners who go broke or bankrupt all the time. I mean, even they they even become homeless yep. because that wealth is gained hastily and all of a sudden it dwindles. So they have to work for it and then they get it all of a sudden and they don't know how to handle it and then they blow it and do all this kind of stuff because the nature of the whole, the spirit behind the gambling is now how they're handling their money now that they have a lot of money and they end up going broke. It's, yeah, if, it's, if you haven't been trained how to use mm-hmm. money, getting a lot of it, you're, you're not just going to magically right. be good at it, you know, yeah. which is the scary thing. You know, you and I are like pro sports fans. You see these... NFL guys that get these huge contracts yeah. at 20 years old, they haven't had anyone teach them how to do it. And all of a sudden, you know, they got, they got baby mamas that they're paying out child support to. They got, they bought all this stuff. And then, you know, they're just begging for a contract because they're broke, even though they're the, the richest people in America. It's crazy how that works. But I think this kind of shows, you know, th- this principle of, uh, you know, how we have to understand money and that gaining it hastily is not the answer. Right. And that's, that's where gambling comes in is a lot of people, they're gambling because they go, well, I, I can make a lot of money real yep. fast here. Yep. Um, and I think part of that is because people are loving money. They think money's going to fix their problem. Yeah. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is all vanity. And that's why you have so much gambling debt, right? Is maybe they win a little bit. And they're like, yeah, but I want more. Right? Yeah, usually people satisfied. win a little bit. That, uh-huh. That's the thing with exactly. gambling. You get that taste of victory it, yep. and you think, oh, it's I'm going to get it again. Now exactly. I'm going to get it again. Yeah. And so then they, they put more money up. And then they lose their money and say, well, oh, well, I got, I got to get my money back. And so yep. it's this cycle. And that's what Solomon is saying is, if you love money, you're never going to be satisfied with the money you have. You're going to keep wanting to get more and more and more and more and more. And more. Are you familiar with, I had heard this at, at a youth retreat, but I had known that, you know, John Rockefeller, his quote, you know, back in the 90s, he had, he had earned more money than like anybody. Mm-hmm. And he, he had an interview and they had asked him, um, how much money is enough money? And his <laughs> answer was just a little bit more. Yeah, you know this guy who's the richest guy on the planet, and that is his view of money. Is it just a little bit more? Just How much more. is that gamble? You know that I think that just plays in that Ecclesiastes five. Like he had more money than anybody, and he's like, uh, just a little bit more, and I'll be happy. 
Yeah. And that is, that is like the heart of a gambler. Yeah. That would have been like what, back in the early 1900s, yep. like 19. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it's it's a bigger game is a bigger deal now too. Oh, you know? for sure. And he wasn't gambling. It's just yeah, he just had money. good investments yeah, and just, stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, took risks. which is not the same thing. Yeah. But uh, first, first Timothy six ten says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And through this craving, some have wandered away from the faith and pier- pierced themselves with many pangs or many griefs. Now it doesn't say money is evil. It just says the love of money is evil. And you can see that with gambling is that people are hoping they're going to make money on this or that they get their money back or that, you know, whatever it might be. And then instead they're in all this debt or whatever, they've lost what they need to live on. Um, or even some smaller ways they, 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 they do have this loss and now all of a sudden they have this pain and this grief and, and even people have wandered away from faith. And as I said earlier, people lose their homes, people lose their marriages, people lose their families over gambling and gambling addiction. And uh, it's it really boiled down. The root of it is the love of money. Yeah, and and Hebrews thirteen five similarly keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have for He has said I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you have the the contrast there of right. It's not about loving money, but knowing that that God will never leave us or forsake us. And so we need to be content in what we have, not always that striving for more in a you know hasty um, you know get rich quick kind of way. Uh, similarly, you have Matthew six twenty four. Uh, that I think really hits the topic of gambling well, actually, um, mm. where where Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, mm. or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Yeah. So exactly what we just talked about, right, yep. is yep. The, this love of money, but also now this serving money, letting it be our master. And I think that connects to the addictive side of gambling. That is, people who are addicted have those severe gambling addictions. They are they are serving that. That is their God. And they keep going back to it and keep going back to it, even though it's proven to not be a very good God at all. Well, yeah. And I know, you know years ago, Karina had a nursing conference in Las Vegas. And they want you to go there because they get a good rate on the hotels because yep. they want you to spend money in the casinos. But we obviously weren't going to do that. But we were. We stayed in a hotel that was above a casino. And I remember, um, and this that serving money, this is what made me think of it. I remember there was this lady when we first got there, she was sitting at this uh, slot machine and just going to town. And so we got there that evening. That morning when we got up to leave to, to, for, for, to take Karina to this, this uh, conference or whatever, the lady was still there. Mm. Guess what? That night when we came back, she was still there. Now, I don't know that she left. I don't know. <laughs> I'm assuming maybe she did, but she was back there. She was, she was serving that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she was yeah. really serving it. She was really going for it. Um, and, and one other thing, too. Say, well, the love of money, and go back to the whole people saying, well, it's just a form of entertainment for me. You mentioned that earlier. Yep. Yep. The reason why I say a lot of gambling, and if not most, if not all gambling, has to do with a love for money is, and this is the pushback I've used on people when they said, well, it's just a form of entertainment. So, what if there was no money involved? You wouldn't get any money back. Would you still put, spend $30 to do it? Mm. Yeah, probably not. Better most ways people to spend $30. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. No, no, you wouldn't. Like if, if the slot machine, was just you, you spent 30 bucks on a slot machine all it was was those little things rolling around and there was no chance of getting money would you do it <laughs> yeah it's a good pushback no you wouldn't and and so that it, it is attached to love of money now that being said paul does address these sorts of things in first corinthians six ten when he does say all things are lawful for me but i but not all things are helpful all things are lawful for me but i will not be dominated or uh, mastered by anything and it's the idea of we need to be careful of these addicting things that can take over us Mm-hmm. Uh, and and obviously, as we looked at, gambling is certainly one of those things. Yep, and it's lawful, right? It's w- within the law to do Doesn't that. Doesn't necessarily but mean it's it a sin, is but it good? Yeah. yeah, is is it the best thing for me? 
So before we get into, you know, looking specifically at Christians going to casinos, playing the lottery, anything like that, we want to address the, the topic that we see in Scripture that I think comes up often here, and that's about casting lots. And if you aren't familiar with that, we see it throughout Scripture. It's basically the equivalent of, you know, drawing straws or, you know, throwing, rolling dice or, or whatever it may be. Flipping for, a coin. Yeah, flip it, yeah, flipping a coin now for decision-making, right? And <clears throat> I, I think we see some of the pushback it, from Matthew twenty seven thirty five, when it talks about after Jesus was crucified, it says, and when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And and I know we, you and I have talked that there there's some that will say, okay, well, because everything that day was evil, you know, them crucifying Jesus and, and all of that, that anything associated that w- with that experience is also wrong and evil, and yeah. therefore it's, it's got to be. And so because these these soldiers cast lots to get Jesus's stuff gambling for, yeah, yeah, they were gambling for stuff and therefore that is wrong. And so, uh, I just want to give you a chance, Jackie, to lay out a a few scriptures throughout the the Bible that show us the use of casting lots and, and why it was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because the only place that you're really going to see it is is a, is a negative, to be honest with you, is that Matthew passage. And even then it's not really saying it's negative. It's just telling you that's what they did, which is more included there for us because it was prophesied that that is what would happen. Yep. You know, the Psalm addressed Psalms addresses that and said they casted lots for my garments. Mm-hmm. So this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. But like in Leviticus six verse eight, uh, God instructs Aaron the high priest to cast lots between these two goats, and the and the one that's chosen becomes the scapegoat that they put all the sins of the people on and send out to the wilderness as a way of atoning for the sins of the nation. Mm-hmm. So if it was a sinful practice, why would God have Aaron do it to pick, to decide which goat is to be the one chosen to bear the sins, which is ultimately pointing us to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Or in Proverbs 18, verse 18, uh, Solomon gives it as a way to settle disputes. It says the lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. So like if you have an argument, so we can't come to an agreement, well, then let's flip a coin and decide which way we're going to go, mm-hmm. right? That's got, that's kind of the idea of the lot. Or in Acts chapter 1, when Judas had been uh, disappeared, <laughs> right? He committed <laughs> yep. suicide. Maybe he had a gambling debt. No, but Ju- Judas Judas is gone, right? Um, he had betrayed Jesus. He, he, was guilt- he, he felt guilty about it. He killed himself. And then they were like, well, we need to find someone to take over his responsibilities. And so they had two godly men to choose between. And so what they did is they prayed and then they cast it a lot and the lot fell to Matthias and he's the one that was added to their number, mm-hmm. right? So in each of those instances, it's not seen as a bad thing or gambling. Yep. It's just a, a method, a tool that they were using to help them make a decision when they all the choices were still good. They were just trying to figure out which one to do. Yeah, I, I, I remember in the story of Jonah too, that's how the mm-hmm. sailors figured out, hey, who... Why is this problem coming upon us? And a lot fell on Jonah. And it's like, you think that was coincidence? No, God no, used it. God used he? it exactly yeah. to show show the people. In fact, Proverbs even talks about that, that the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the yep. Lord. So yeah, I, I, casting lots is not gambling and it's not really even condemned in scripture. So flipping a coin. So so I don't think that applies, but I thought, you know, we did need to address it because people do it. People associate it to the two. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is it okay for Christians to go to casinos or play the lottery? Um, he, you know, because we give that argument, right? Well, what if you just budget the money and, and mm-hmm. it's, it's yep. just a yep. you know, thing to do? But here's the thing. Casinos, if you, if you didn't know, which I think most people do, they're set up to take your money. It's not equal odds. It favors the house, right? If the casino wasn't favored. We'd see a lot more of them going out of business. Yep. But it's got to be favored for them to keep going in business and because they need to be a profitable company. 
And so their machines, their everything is set up to take your money. Of course, yep, it gives you that hit of dopamine, right, where you feel good, oh, I won some, yep. but at the expense of probably a lot of losses yourself or losses for other people. So for every big winner, there are many big losers. The odds are stacked against you, therefore, it's not a wise use of money, especially in games of complete chance, like you know, pulling the, the slot machine lever. Like the, yep. there's, there's no skill involved whatsoever. Right. It's 100% chance. Yeah, there's some skill... And poker or blackjack, yep. I get that. Um, but, you know, uh, whether it's a roulette table or whatever it might be, I mean, yep. there's lots of just total chance. And yep. um, we, we need to be careful about that. And I would say the way that casinos are structured is something God hates. Uh, Proverbs mm-hmm. 11, verse 1, it says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, this is talking about buying and selling stuff by weight. But as you just pointed out, casinos are rigged in a way. A lot of the stuff is rigged, and the odds are stacked against the people. Even like the slot machines and everything else, you know, they they, they on purpose set it up to where it takes more money than it's going to give. It, it makes me even think of the you know stupid carnival games. Exactly. That, yeah. That, that, yeah. The, that's how it is. They go in there and they're like, oh, you're an athlete. You should be able to shoot this basketball hoop. But, but the all hoop the is wild, smaller. Yeah, yeah. And it's super bouncy. They they rig it right because if you could win every time, they wouldn't make money. Yeah. It's rigged. And so I would say it's not a just balance. It's not a just way. It is a false balance. And so. The way casinos are structured is an abomination to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Leviticus 19.36 says the same thing. Just balances, just weights. This is the Lord's delight, right? And so we want to make sure that we're doing those sorts of things. So obviously, the way casinos are structured is something God does not like. It's something that doesn't honor God. It dishonors God. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just need, I think we need to know that. Like yep. the, the way casinos are structured isn't a, isn't a godly thing. Yeah, and then looking at the lottery, I know, so a few more stats. We looked earlier just about gambling as a whole, but in 2022, Americans spent $108 billion on lottery tickets. We said earlier that they'd spent a total of $250 billion, so $108 billion of those on lottery tickets. Now, based on the number of tickets bought, each hopeful winner has a 1 in 292 million chance of winning the largest jackpot. Um, that is not that is good. not a good chance. <laughs> No, uh, Minnesotans, by the way, spent five hundred and ninety-six million of that one hundred eight billion. Yeah. So now, here's the interesting thing. Now, I found this on a CBS News article back in 2018. But Americans with a household income under thirty thousand spent an average of four hundred twelve dollars a year on lottery tickets. Now, that's compared to those who make over $75,000 spending only $105 a year on lottery tickets. That means that those who really can't afford to buy them, buy them at a at four times the rate of those with a much higher income. Now, I think we can look at that and say, well, that's so stupid, and, and it is, but we can also see it makes sense, right? Because if you don't have much money, there's that thought, right, that unwise thought that we've talked about that says, okay, but you know, this, this is the key. This is the ticket to getting me out. If I can just win, yeah, if I can just win, I'll be rich. Mm -hmm. But then the result is the, you know, the other, with all those chances, right, that the majority of people, pretty much all of them, you're just throwing money away on stuff that you actually need to be spending or that you need for your family. But instead, $400 a year on something that is not going to return anything yeah. just for that hope that's going to lead you to do it again and again and yeah. again. Yeah, you know, you got that $378 car repair that you can't afford because you spent 400 bucks on lottery tickets. Yep. Um, but it goes back to Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gained hastily is going to dwindle. And that's the reason people are doing it is they're hoping to gain wealth hastily. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all that being said, my favorite quote about the lottery is from Dave Ramsey. He mm-hmm. says the lottery is a tax for people who are bad at math. Mm. You know, it, that's that's what it is. It's a, it's a government-run thing. They're getting your money because they know the odds, and they're going to take most of your money. 
Uh, the question really is, is the lottery the best use of money God has given us to steward? Uh, and go back to the whole hastily, God expects us to work for our money, right? That's 2 Thessalonians 3.10. If you're not willing to work, you shouldn't eat. Um, God God doesn't want to provide for us and, you know, okay, I'm going to gamble and then our money. God is wanting to provide for us by giving us jobs and giving us the ability to work. And sometimes if we have a hardship, using other people to bless us. Uh, God's method of providing is not for us to go and gamble and then hope that we hit it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And so I think the last question that this one that I, you know, I wrestled with for a while too, when it comes to the the idea of gambling that we need to ask is what about just activities with entry fees? Yeah. You know, I think like you and I both play in fantasy football leagues together that have entry fees. I know Mm -hmm. I've played in uh, softball tournaments, uh, football tournaments that have entry fees and you know, you wonder, okay, well there's money on the line. There may even be a cash prize. Is that gambling? Yeah. Yeah, and then with the in two of the like the fantasy football, it's a little different than like sports betting. Is you're betting this one player yep. meets this total with, with fantasy football, you build a roster, you trade. It's you're not locked into one player or anything like that, and it's not you know, what they do just this one game or whatever. It, it, it you know we do dynasty, and that's you know primarily what we do. And and what that is is you're you're building up this team, this roster and stuff over, over the long, years for yep. the years to come, and it's a, a more of a fun you know thing to do, do with friends. Yeah, with friends. Yep. Yeah, uh, poker tournaments is an example of this too. Like poker, tur- Texas Hold'em became extremely popular because ESPN started televising these poker tournaments, and there's entry fee associated with that. Uh, racing competitions have entry fees with cash prize winnings, right? Drag racing, for example, or NASCAR. I, I was shocked. NAS, you know, NASCAR it's it costs forty five hundred dollars to enter a NASCAR race. Mm. So these professionals, these pros, they're still paying forty five hundred dollars yeah, to get in the race. Pretty big uh, motorcycle races, bike races, BMX, that kind of stuff. Yep. They all have entry fees. Uh, in Memphis, uh, in Memphis in May, there is a barbecue cook-off. They have these all over the world, by the way, but, uh, barbecue cook-offs, food, food competitions, there are entry fees in those sometimes with cash prizes. Mm-hmm. I have fished bass tournaments for years. I haven't done any in a long time, but I used to fish them quite a bit. And there's entry fees there, both professional and amateur levels. You know, and really the question is, are any of these things gambling? And I want to go back to the definition that we used earlier, mm-hmm. the primary definition, the activity or practice of playing Here's the key, a game of chance for money. So entering into a barbecue cook-off where you're using the skill of cooking and putting and prepping and all this stuff to make it, and then you're you're rewarded, you're the best barbecue cooker in the country or in the state, and then winning a prize for that is not gambling because it's not a game of chance. It is a skill of cooking, and that's the cost of entering that thing. I think same thing with racing, same thing with – even bass tournaments, or maybe even, you know fantasy football, uh, because you're you're re- you're researching, you're developing, you're figuring out how how best to do this and, and put together a team. Just like a, it, it's just like a team, uh, a owner of a team in real life. Mm-hmm. It's just that you don't have as high stakes because you're not you know invested in billions of dollars yeah. in this team, but you're still managing it like a team would manage. You know, because you got to start your quarterback and your running back, and yep. you build a team. Um, the one argument you could maybe poker, uh, you could say, well, that may be a game of chance, but Obviously, there is some skill involved there, too. So yep. that could be more of a gray area. But the other ones we mentioned, and maybe others like it, I wouldn't consider gambling. In fact, I don't think the Bible considers it gambling. First Corinthians 9, Paul talks about all the runners who run a race, only one receives a prize. Well, if you look at the history, uh, to enter the races that Paul is talking about, these, these games, or whether the Olympic Games or whatever they might be, the Ephesian Games is mm-hmm. another one, there were, there were entry fees. Yep. You had to pay an entry fee to get in there to compete, and then you would win. Yep. Uh, and a lot of times there were cash prizes. Sometimes they were slaves. They were 
they were having to put their whole life in to get freedom. Yeah. Um, it, same thing in Second Timothy two five. Paul says, "Any athlete who competes, he has to do it according to the rules, or he's not going to get the prize." Right. Mm-hmm. So the only way this makes sense for Paul to use these illustrations is if competing in, in the, the rules required an entry fee. The only way it makes sense for Paul to use these as illustrations of the Christian faith and walking with Jesus is if entering into these games with an entry fee was not viewed as wrong by Paul. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and our entry fee of entering into the faith, right, is us giving our lives over to Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? That's kind of the, the, the idea there, right? He gave our, himself for us. We give ourselves to him. And so, no, I don't, I don't think those things like activities with entry fees that involve skill, that sort of thing, those, I don't be, believe the Bible would teach those things are gambling. Yep. Yep. I, I totally, totally agree with that. And, and so I think just, just to wrap up, you know, a good principle when it comes to money, gambling, what is gambling, what is not, I, I think comes from actually an example that, that I used with Jordan when we talked about investing in retirement. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Jesus speaks to this, that, and it's just such a powerful parable that I wanted to use it again. And that's from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And that's the parable of the talents. And again, talents in, in this case means like a, a sum of money, not like, oh, I'm so talented at, mm-hmm. you know, this, this thing or another. Right. And, and so the premise of this again is like uh, a man who's a master of slaves going on a journey and he entrusts to his slaves different amounts of talents or different amounts of money uh, based on his own, you know, because he wanted to, because it's his. Right. And, and it says this now, uh, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. So he came back after giving them, he had given one slave five talents. He had given one slave two talents and one slave one talent. Why he chose to do that, we don't know, but it shows that people are trusted with different amounts. Um, when we try to do this whole equality, equity thing, right? That even, even Jesus doesn't talk about it that way. Anyways, so it says, <laughs> the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So he invested, right, the, yep. these five, and got double the return, and he is blessed by his master for it. And there's a risk in investment. There, absolutely, yep. there's a risk. Which isn't gambling, Yep, but it's a risk. And then it says, now also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. So again, distinction. He also doubled what he had, but it only ended up with four. But to him, it was the same reward because he doubled what he had. He didn't get as much as the other guy, right? Up to 10, but he doubled what he had. In mm-hmm. other words, he made good investments with his master's stuff and he was blessed for it, even though his total amount was not the same. So I think there, there's a good distinction there. Now, the one who had also received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. Now, this, So this guy didn't gamble at all. He didn't he, risk he, anything. He didn't do anything, right? But I'm just going to hide this. And it says, see, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would have received my money back at least with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness in the place mm. there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm. So this is not a, a pro-gambling verse or anything like that, no, but what no, it's no. saying is we need to be wise with, with our money, the, yeah. the money that the master has given us. 
which looks like wise investing, which means, you know, as that, that proverb goes back to, right? Not gain hastily, but smart little by little. That's where it grows. We see, you know, in that episode, Jordan and I talked about plenty about, you know, gathering interest, growing on, on the money that God has given us. And here we see with what we've been given, uh, it, it's different for everybody, but it's all about what we do with it. And so I think, you know, when we break this down, what the question is saying is when we stand before God someday, as these men stood before the master, how will we account for using the money, the resources that God has entrusted us with? Yeah. Are we the ones that are gambling it away, trying to hit it rich, even though the Bible clearly says that's not wise and not yep. good. In fact, we have a lot of evidence in our world today to show how bad it is, yep. right, as we laid out. Or are you using it well? Are you using it wisely? Are you giving? Are you saving? Are you investing? Are you um, you know, living a, a lifestyle that would align with how God would have us to use our money? And so I think that's ultimately the question you know, when, when looking at gambling. Are we using this money the way that God would want us to use this money? Because it's ultimately his anyway. That's exactly right, right? The, the whole principle you're talking about is the stewardship principle, yep. right? Whose money was it? It was the master's money. He just allowed the slaves to have it and use it. And then he came back to collect. Yep. And, and that's what we need to remember. That, that, that is the thing, is gambling good stewardship. So the question is, is gambling a sin? Right. That's what question we're asking. The Bible never specifically condemns gambling, but we believe biblical principles clearly indicate that gambling is unwise and at best poor stewardship of the resources God has entrusted to our care. On top of that, we see obvious evidence of the harm that gambling causes, and we would advise Christians against it in any form. That concludes today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your support. God bless. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the 1717 Podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com.